Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Against the rest of the league, I think you're like, you're like 35. <clears throat> Against Mahomes, he's 0-3. Yeah. Does, I know you're a prideful guy. Does, does, does that bother you? Does that nag at you that there's you know, like one team, one player that, that, you're, you, know, that you haven't beat, beaten yet? No, nah, you know, um, it's not about, you know, me and Mahomes. Not to me, you know, probably to everyone else. But, you know, it's the Ravens versus Kansas City Chiefs. Um, they did beat us, you know, three times or whatever, but that's in the past. We, we, you know, we got a better opportunity this time to come around and we, we take the advantage and win, win in our home stadium. Um, but I'm not dwelling on those losses. You know, we, we come a Sunday night and we're going to play. Yeah, so here's the thing. Um, and Michael, tonight with Thursday Night Football, Giants football team, week two begins. But the game of the week is Sunday night on NBC. And that's not us being company people. But, I mean, let's face it. Right. Every time the Chiefs the and truth. Ravens get together, more often than not, that's the game of the week. And it should be uh, billed as a potential AFC Championship game preview, except for the little small fact of the Ravens are 1-3 in the playoffs with Lamar Jackson as their quarterback, which gets me to, like, you know this, man. We've been talking about football for a long time. We've been talking about quarterbacks for a long time. You know it is a pet peeve of mine to assign starting one-loss records to quarterbacks. In the in the ultimate team sport, I, I just don't really I don't like it. But there are exceptions, and we do make exceptions because you make exceptions for exceptional people. So while I hear where Lamar Jackson is coming from, that it is Chiefs at Ravens, and that the team will win or the team will lose, when you get in that rarefied air at a certain point, it's got to be about you versus Patrick for you. Not just for Michael Smith, not just for Michael Holly, not just for the talking heads, but at a certain point, especially at the point where you're 0-3 against Mahomes, it has got to be you versus him. Just like in the NBA, Isaiah had to go through Bird, and Jordan had to go through Isaiah, and everybody else had to try to go through Jordan, or for years, people have been trying to go through LeBron James. When you get to a certain point, even though you're not on the field defending Patrick Mahomes and he's not on the field defending you, it is you versus him. It is a rivalry. That's why I like Sammy Watkins, who obviously played with Patrick Mahomes and now plays with Lamar Jackson. He's like, yeah, they're rivals. They see it differently. They see it as a rivalry. Because, Mike, the other day, uh, our coach, Tony Dungy, um, he was on, uh, I think it might have been with Colin Cowherd. I saw him somewhere. I was scrolling Instagram and I saw him somewhere. And he was like, um, I think Lamar Jackson is going to win a Super Bowl before it's all said and done. He's already won an MVP, youngest MVP ever, I believe. But here's the thing. Okay. It ain't going to be easy as long as 15 is, is in the same conference with him. Like, you got to go through that guy. And sooner or later, you got to beat that guy. What We talked about this with the Browns last week. You can talk about close and, and it was competitive and you got yeah. chances, you're closing the gap. Like, nah, man, at a certain point, you can't be getting, um, you can't be shaking hands at midfield, getting, 
you know, good game, man. See you next time. Better luck next time. It, it, you can't be finishing runner-up to Patrick Mahomes every single time. Like, 0-4, like, ah, Because you, you got to go through them. And you got to be the reason. Like, Lamar Jackson can't be on the field with a couple of fumbles, a couple of amazing plays, and the team finds a way to win. Because as we talked about, again, after Cleveland versus Kansas City, the difference is 15. The difference is they got Mahomes and you don't. And for the Ravens, the difference has to be they have Lamar Jackson and you don't. Like, he can't. He, he is a difference maker. He has to make the difference against Kansas City. He's got to do it on Sunday night. He's got to do it if they meet in the playoffs. If he is ever to win a Super Bowl with Baltimore, chances are it's going to go through Patrick Mahomes and it may go through Kansas City. So I'm not saying it's now or never, but if not now, when? Yeah, man, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to agree with you. I just don't see it, and and I and I do believe in these quarterback matchups. I believe in. I believe in quarterback win loss records because for the most part, if you look at the quarterback win loss record and then you think about the quarterback, it usually makes sense. So you usually don't see yeah a great quarterback with a bad win loss record or a sorry quarterback with a great win loss record. It usually goes hand in hand. So I, I have no problem with them keeping those records. But the reason I don't like this matchup or this comparison is because it's not like the Ravens and Chiefs keep running into each other at critical times. That's where rivalries are born, whether it was the Ravens right. and Steelers in the same division. They played uh, in a conference championship game or two. Maybe there's only one, but they that's why I mentioned the, the one in three playoff time. record. But that's why I mentioned the one yeah, in three but, playoff record. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I don't it, it, it's I never feel like oh, it's either going to be the Ravens or the Chiefs just like a couple years ago for Patrick Mahomes his his early rival was the Patriots. His early rival was, was Tom Brady old man young man, right? It's either going to be the Patriots right. or the Chiefs that was accurate. And I don't think Lamar Jackson's team is there yet. And maybe Lamar's not there yet. But I just don't see it right. as, all right, there's this pressure. But I don't, I don't see this pressure of, hey, I got to beat that guy. Because, you know, I know it's a little shade coming. Mike, I know you think that Tom Brady's about to uh, catch Bill Russell and, and championships. I know you think he wins championships every year. But when he was still in the AFC, I don't know, Ben Roethlisberger managed to win a couple of championships and Peyton Manning yep. managed to win a couple of championships and yep. Joe Flacco, he got a championship in there. You know, other guys yep. won championships in the AFC, even though yeah. the GOAT was standing right the there half the time. at the gate. Yeah. Like this is yeah, he, he only went half the time. Uh, he didn't go all the time. He only went half the time. Okay. You're absolutely right. Other people won. You're absolutely right. So, other people so won. Others, so so, so Super Bowls can be Super Bowls can be won whether Patrick Mahomes is there or not. Even though he's been there yeah. <laughs> three straight, uh, uh, three straight. Years. No, but like I said, odds um, are he's got to go through Mahomes. Three straight AFC Championship I, games. Odds are he's got to go through Mahomes. And it sounds like what you're telling me, Michael, which is fair, is that you don't see it as Mahomes versus Jackson because Jackson and the Ravens ain't really on that level. Like other than the fact that they both won MVPs. They're not really on that level. level. What? Okay. 
in order to get to that I level. Love the Ravens. We're saying the same thing, just love Jackson. In order to get to that level, okay, you gotta beat them. You gotta be a problem. You gotta win. Yeah. You gotta be. You got. You gotta take them down at some point. You know, this game tomorrow. Not only could the, the or not tomorrow Sunday, excuse me. This game on Sunday not only could be a difference between home field advantage in the AFC playoffs or championship game. It could be the difference between 0 and 2 for Baltimore. You know, and we talked about it when the Ravens were suffering that rash of running back injuries. They're always there at the end, traditionally under Hallbar, under Ozzie Newsom. Okay, they're yeah. always there at the end. Under Eric DaCosta as an organization, Steve Bashotti, they just one of those flagship franchises, right? But under under Lamar in the postseason, to your point, he hasn't even seen Patrick Mahomes yet. He hasn't even he hasn't even seen him in the playoffs. Again, they're one and three with him in the playoffs, but only three against Mahomes all in the regular season, and okay. they have to take a step at some point toward. This actually being a rivalry. You're right, Michael. A rivalry is when one team or one individual takes something from the other, right? It's not a rivalry if only oh, yeah. one side is winning. Sunday yeah. night is the time yeah, to make this a rivalry. Right. Yeah, and to let it be known, if it comes down to it, we can get through Kansas City, who until further notice is that gatekeeper in the AFC you're talking about, not at Brady's in the NFC. All right. Well, this is where we really get down to it. Why? Is it just Why what? that the team is not talented enough around Lamar Jackson? Is it that Lamar Jackson is coming up small in these big situations? Or is it the cliche, and, and cliches exist for a reason, sometimes they're true. Is it the cliche, hey, teams, uh, once you get to the postseason, teams have figured out how to handle Lamar Jackson. And so he's not, he's not able to do in the playoffs what he's able to do in the regular season against good opponents. I don't know. But why is it? Why is it that he hasn't figured out a way he parentheses his team? They haven't figured out a way well, to beat. The well, team. let's start with this. Let's start with this. He's 24 years old. You mentioned the other quarterbacks like Roethlisberger. But Manning in particular, there was a point where Manning couldn't beat Tom Brady or or, or it couldn't be Bill Belichick couldn't win in Foxborough in Foxborough. Yeah, yeah. But, but could could not could not win the big one. He, I mean, there was a time when Peyton Manning couldn't win the big one, right? Remember, that was that was the rap at Tennessee. That was the rap early in his career. Yeah. Okay. So Lamar's 24 years old. I'm trust me. I'm not losing perspective on this. Like, you know, he still has a long way to go, and I would never say what he'll never be able to do. I'm saying what better time to start than Sunday night, like, and to say it, and he's saying the right things. I think Sammy Watkins said was accurate. Lamar said what he had to say. It's not me versus Mahomes. It's the Chiefs versus the Ravens, and that's fair. But the reality is, in that rarefied air, even in a team sport, it becomes LeBron versus Steph. It becomes LeBron versus Durant. It becomes yeah, okay. Elway versus Marino. Happy a belated happy birthday, Dapper Dan. It becomes you know Brady versus Manning. And if you want it to be. Lamar versus Patrick. When it yeah. matters, you gotta start winning them in the regular season first. You gotta be you gotta beat them sometime. You gotta beat them. Okay, okay. we're running back. You gotta beat them. You you can see you can see well you running back. That's not what I'm talking about. I ain't talking about running back now. You, but I but you, I didn't even you, answer you, your question. You I'm sorry. I didn't even answer your question. 
Okay. Sorry, it's a combination. Of things. Why has he not had the postseason success? Why has he not been, been able to beat right. Kansas City? A, they have Patrick Mahomes, and even Wink Martindale's defense can't truly figure out Patrick Mahomes enough to beat him. B, some right. is, some of it's been Lamar Jackson, some of it's been overall execution. So it's a combination of things. I don't want to put it all on Lamar, but go ahead. All right, you know, your LeBron versus Steph analogy. I like that. Okay, I like it. So when they won, when the Cavaliers beat the Warriors in what 2016 came back 3-1 down down uh, down 1-3 great comeback the block the shot from Kyrie we'll talk about Kyrie later if you want will we I mean do we please, have to I, 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 I don't I, don't, I really don't want to I mean we're only please, an hour today I don't want to waste please, time on trolling but go ahead if we can't no I'm not gonna troll you yeah. man I ain't, you know, right. I ain't trying to troll a brother man you know hey, one day what, what's a brotherhood the without trust What's Let's the brotherhood without talking about the Nets? Go ahead, make That's the point. I, I want to go to another. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm just gonna ask you. So, 2016, they're down one three. They come back. They win the championship. But then, what happens to the Warriors? What happens? They change. Something changed about them. They got better. Mm -hmm. They got better. They added more. One more than you have. So they added Kevin Durant, and then it wasn't a rivalry anymore. So if you're talking about Lamar Jackson. Like Patrick Mahomes, man, they, he, he just stay, his, his GM just stay drafting receivers. Just another fast guy. They lose a fast guy, get another fast guy. Let's bring another fast guy in here. It's unbelievable. And Lamar Jackson got Hollywood Brown, got Sammy Watkins, but then ba Bateman, first round pick, out, groin issues. He doesn't have the same. He doesn't have the same cast Supporting around cast? him that Mahomes does. Yeah, no. It's not that's really fair. it's not really a fair comparison. Then they're completely different kind of quarterbacks. So that's why it makes it so hard. Hey, if you talk about or, Brady or, versus but Brady versus Manning, you got a couple passers, and I get it. But Brady In versus case, Manning is a great a example. Hybrid because Manning yeah. didn't have the same defense that Brady had, whereas Brady didn't have the same Except weaponry for most of that rivalry. As Manning had in this case, I just want to confirm this. I, I just want to look this up to ask you a question about shortcomings, at least in the postseason. Yeah. Um, Lamar is at 56% with 900 yards, three touchdowns, five picks. Uh, did not throw a touchdown pass in two postseason games last year. Did not exceed 180 yards. And in fact, in three out of four postseason games, for whatever it's worth, has been under 200 yards. I, I'm not here to perpetuate the Lamar Jackson got to get better as a passer stuff. I'm just simply saying separate all the you know factors and the qualifiers and team circumstances you know, supporting cast blah 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 excuses. bottom line is I'm making excuses. Lamar's that I know I am. Lamar's that dude and deservedly so but and if you're going to be that dude you got to take down the other dudes that are standing in your way if you're going to fulfill your destiny as a championship quarterback there's another dude in the AFC North I want to touch on real quick before we hit this break and this is interesting man so Baker Mayfield another dude that Who's on the contract clock? Both he and Lamar Jackson, obviously taking the same draft, one and 32. Um, they are both, uh, you know, in the process of securing long-term extensions. Interesting article I saw from uh, Jeff Howe uh, in the Athletic said uh, Baker Mayfield and the Browns yeah. remain in a holding pattern with this contract extension. So far, each side has been comfortable with that approach. The Browns have yet to extend an offer to the number one pick from the 18 draft, according to sources. While all is currently quiet, neither side has ruled out the idea of opening negotiations during the season. 
the relationship between Mayfield and the Browns remains positive according to the sources. So here's where it gets good. From the Browns perspective, they want to see Mayfield produce over a longer stretch of time in second year head coach Kevin Stefanski's offensive system. They believe Mayfield was much better over the second half of last season. Um, yeah, so on and so forth. As for Mayfield, he has never had an issue with betting on his own performance. If he continues his upward trajectory, his value will follow, especially the salary cap increase in the coming years. I, I thought that's fascinating. I mean, and, and our man Charles Robinson wrote about this on Yahoo a couple of days ago about how teams wanting more information before committing those long-term mega deals to quarterbacks who are still on rookie contracts. So I, I thought that was interesting that the Browns want to see more from Baker. Um, you feel like the jury's still out on Baker Mayfield so much so that if you were running the Browns, if you were Andrew Berry, you'd yeah. be like, hey, you know what? I'd just like to see, you know, you did well in the second half of last year. Do a little bit more before you before we're sure that we want to give you the back up the Brinks truck for you. I found that interesting. No, I, you know, I find that interesting, but you know, I find more interesting. Now we have to go back and study the tapes. I think, I think on the sly and we, you know, I was thinking about, it's so funny that you bring this up because sometimes on the show, you know, we're thinking about the mechanics of it and, and what's next and hey, you know, you're just trying to run a show. But certain little things kind of slip by, I think. No, if I'm not nothing mistaken. slips by me. What? What? Oh, nothing slips by you. Nothing. Okay, slips. well, you look. You feeling? You feeling? You you smelling yourself a little bit too much because if you find this no, fascinating, what? this did slip by you because I think Thomas Dimitrov kind of gave us a scoop when we talked to him the other day. He said, mm -hmm. "Expect some news," didn't he? Didn't he say? I was thinking about this. Didn't he say something about Baker? Because I asked him about Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. He said, from what I'm hearing from people in the organization, unless I made this up, I make some stuff up yeah. sometimes. Yes. Just be playing around. Yes. But I don't think I made this yeah. up. I think he said, yeah. what I'm hearing is that a deal yes. is about to be, like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get done. And he doesn't, he's not just throwing it out there. He know people. But beyond that, regardless of what Dimitrov said, if, if, to answer your question, if I'm the Browns, yeah, I'm going with Baker Mayfield. Like Baker Mayfield's my guy because I've seen enough already. You know, I don't need to see if if I saw the second half of Stefanski's uh, the second half of last season, he's thriving in Stefanski's season and you're saying he's not an attitude problem. Uh, he's receptive to coaching. Then uh, we ain't got no problems, Jules. It's, it's, it's done. If he's receptive, he's a good quarterback. Yeah, you can win with Baker Mayfield and obviously they think they can win with them because they're already thinking they got Super Bowl aspirations. You can win with this yeah. guy. I would sign him. So first half of last season, he 15 touchdowns, seven picks, second half, 15 touchdowns, two interceptions and just housekeeping purposes. Uh, he's got the fifth year option in 2022. And if it came down to it, which you never wanted to come down to this, they of course have the franchise tag. So as Jeff Howell points out, they got time on their side and holding a little leverage of remaining in control over year-to-year -year terms. Um, but here's the thing, man. I, I don't know that the Browns as a franchise have that luxury. And I'll make this last point, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go to break, uh, and we'll talk some other football yeah. stuff with Chris Sims in a few minutes. But, like, look, how many quarterbacks did the Browns go through before they got to Baker Mayfield? 
Like the Browns are hundred. that person who is like looking for love in all the wrong places. Um, you know, or as Eddie Murphy's Buckwheat character used to say, whooping Penub in all the wrong places. Like they are, they've been through so many quarterbacks as they came back in 1999. And they finally took a guy. Remember, they were passing on a bunch of them at one point in the first round. They finally took one. They were taking a bunch of them too. Yeah. Seemed to have hit on one. He's become the face of the yeah. franchise. They've made the playoffs with him. It's like, I don't know that I would let the price go up on him. And what, what alternative do you act? Do you actually have like we talked yesterday about this new approach to quarterback and where you know veterans don't get as long a leash contracts don't mean what they used to mean even the mega ones and there's this influx of young quarterbacks constantly coming in there's a lot of musical chairs a lot of turnovers. I think there was a record in week one for most quarterbacks making their debut with new teams. If I'm not mistaken, right? So I get the landscape, but generally speaking if you're the Browns you ain't trying to go back to the drawing board at this position. You better love the one you with. As the eagle flies with the dove, if you can't be with the one you love, you better love the one you with. And they finally found somebody that they can win with. So I just found it interesting that they want to see more. Hell, you saw a lot of people go in and out of Cleveland at that position. So I, if, if I got you one, I'm, I'm holding tight. As an aside, you know who we didn't talk about in these mm. first 20 minutes? The Dolphins. Mm. We look like we look like we represent the Dolphins. I look on the screen, it's like. That's, that's Don, you mentioned Dan Marino. That's Don Shula, Dan Marino. Tony totally Nathan. Yeah. Mark I just Dupin. was trying to match the shirt that I slept in. I slept in the shirt, so I was trying to match the You slept in that shirt? You want to talk yeah, about it? Not that you asked. You want to talk <laughs> no, about why you're sleeping really. in your clothes? No, okay. but, what I, but what I do want to talk okay. about, I don't know, just slipped past you. Didn't I tell you Tom Brady was going to play till he was 50? You thought, I was, you thought I was joking. You thought I was exaggerating. It's Brady and Gronk. Can Tom Brady play until 50 years old? Wow. Seems to be a really hot question lately. Can Tom Brady play till 50? Like 50 years old. Yeah. 50. 50. You're 44. That's six more years. I think, I mean, I don't find it so difficult. And plus, in the Florida, it's kind of a retiree state. So I feel like I can play and then just glide into retirement. I think I can. I think it's a yes. You know, there's a little spin to that question. I think it's, will Giselle let Tom play till 50? <laughs> That's the real question. That is a way better question. And in fact, why would they not Google that? I think they should. That was, of course, no. Well, maybe that answer. I'm so smart. I'm the Google I'm master I'm just kidding. Now. I'm sorry, babe. I love you. You would let me. You'd let me do anything as long as I'm happy. What, weren't you just talking yesterday about how much fun he has? Look at those glasses. I mean, this dude, he is out there, man. Living his best life. <laughs> Uh, he's mentioned Giselle. Pretty serious on a weekly show. Giselle let him. Hey, Mike, how about Dennis Schroeder turning the front upside down? So he goes on IG and he says, look, everybody get your jokes off about him turning down, what was it, four years, 84 from the Lakers and settled, settling for only yeah. $6 million from the Celtics. But then he does it with a collection of designer bags, and I don't even know what those cars are. Those, those cars are completely out of my price range. So it's like a, 
it's a humbling moment, but he's like, hey, but I'm doing all right, though. So props to him for uh, owning it, but then saying, then flexing at the same time. Self-deprecating flexing. I'm going to do it like once. Yeah. I'm going to do it once. He probably thought about it. What's the best way to do it? Can't rage at everybody. You can't do that. So I'll do it this way, and then we can move on. And maybe he knows, Mike, that he's going to get another opportunity. NBA money is plentiful. He's going to get another opportunity after the 21-22 season. Yeah. He plays Interesting fit with the Celtics. Yeah. Interesting fit there with the Celtics. Um, You know who knows all about the Celtics and the entire NBA and boxing for that matter. Sports Illustrated's uh, Chris Mannix, who's uh, who's joining us now. Hey, Chris, I know you're also a hip-hop fan as well. Um, I know you saw... LeBron and Russell Westbrook make a cameo in Nas's Brunch on Sundays video the other day from King's Disease 2. And Michael and I were talking about this. We haven't really, like, truly unpacked the fact that LeBron and Russell Westbrook are teammates. Uh, And so the Lakers treated us to a couple of snapshots on their Twitter account yesterday. Brunch on Sundays, work on Wednesday, showing them working out. So they're in the lab. Chris, I'd love to know what you're hearing and what you think in your expert opinion about how... LeBron and Russ in particular, to say nothing of the rest of that roster, which is we know is full of 30-somethings, Carmelo Anthony and others, but how LeBron and Russ in particular are going to make this chemistry experiment work. We know it in the lab. How's it going to work? Finals? In the NBA going into this season, how this group of players... Wait, Chris, I'm, Chris, I'm sorry. Chris, can you start that again? We, we didn't hear the beginning I, answer. Yeah, sorry, again. sorry, it's, it's, it's probably the most interesting question going into the NBA this season. I mean, how this group of players is able to mesh as, as a unit. Now I've talked to half a dozen or more people inside and out of the Lakers organization asking that very same question. And one thing I I hear consistently is you're probably going to win as many or more regular season games with Russ on this team because Russ is kind of injury protection, right? Like if you have uh, an issue with LeBron or AD who's been chronically injured, uh, if one of them go down, Russ can step in and carry a team during the regular season. We've seen him do it at multiple stops in his career. The question is going to be when you get to the playoffs and you have so few shooters out there on the floor, how do you succeed at the highest level? I mean, Russ is always going to be a minus shooter in his position. The Lakers quietly traded away Marc Gasol this week. Gasol, for all of his uh, weaknesses, is still a pretty good perimeter shooter, at least a threat from beyond the three-point line. So at the one and at the five, you got measurably weaker when it came to perimeter shooting. In the playoffs, not many teams, guys, win without high-level perimeter shooting. You know, with with their additions, with Westbrook coming there and then assuming AD is healthy and LeBron is healthy. I think a lot of people say, hey, the Lakers are the best team in the Western Conference. Do you buy that? Or do you look at Phoenix losing in the NBA Finals last year, bringing back Chris Paul, development of Ayton and development of Booker and say, yeah, the Phoenix would be right there. What do you say? Yeah, I think Phoenix is right there. I think Utah is potentially right there. We're we're discounting the Clippers at this point because most are operating under the assumption that Kawhi Leonard is going to miss all of next season. The the question I have with the Lakers, though, is why break it up? I mean, if the Lakers, if Anthony Davis doesn't get hurt in that series against Phoenix, 
the Lakers probably win. And then they probably go on to win the next two series. Then they get to the NBA Finals, and maybe they have a better chance than Phoenix did against Milwaukee. In the minds of a lot of people in the NBA, the Lakers had a formula for success. If they just brought back the group from last season, they also could have had, again, this is what I hear from most NBA types, a better formula if they had taken the assets needed to get Russell Westbrook and traded them north to Sacramento to get Buddy Heal, which was another deal that was on the table uh, for the Lakers. Heald would seem to be a perfect fit opposite LeBron and AD. Yeah. He's a 40-plus percent three-point shooter over the last four seasons. So, you know, maybe Rob Palenka, who has done some really good things with the Lakers in his time, is going to once again prove to be you know, a mad scientist. But right now, there are far more skeptics of this Lakers team ability to win a championship than there are people that believe it. So uh, let's pivot to the guy that Russ was uh, last traded for, um, which is John Wall, uh, who was working with the Rockets on a trade. And reportedly, that may not happen anytime soon, as in there may not be a trade or a buyout this season. He may end up taking a sabbatical if you believe what's being reported. Love to your thoughts on that, as well as this, as well as this. Um, $91.7 million left. I know that trade is easier said than done. Um, mammoth player option after this season that he's obviously gonna gonna uh, gonna accept um, We were talking yesterday. You mentioned the Clippers. I Think with Kawhi Leonard down. I think John Wall would be a good fit with the Clippers They need they still need a point guard uh, Point guard help in my mind Kawhi is down Maybe he could hold down the fort while Kawhi is gone and help him help him and Paul George when he comes back or and Michael thought I was crazy for this Chris I don't think that Daryl Moore is in position to be like, nah, that ain't good enough for Ben Simmons. That's a toxic situation that needs to be resolved. Pulling a third team, I'd like to see a John Wall, Joel Embiid pairing. I think that's a pretty good fit if you ask me. Not an ideal return, but beggars can't be choosers at this point if you ask me. I know I said a lot there, but just kind of break down the John Wall, yeah. Houston situation. Yeah, you did. Best fits for him. Where you see the situation going. Well, the, the, I know the Rockets and John Wall are on the same page when it comes to trying to find John Wall a new home. But at, as several executives have said to me, the equivalent of John Wall asking for a trade is like me saying, I want a pony. Like, you, you're not going to get the pony. Like, it doesn't, <laughs> there isn't really a palatable deal out there involving John Wall. Remember, John Wall was traded just last year for another distressed asset with a massive salary, right. that being Russell Westbrook, like, like you said. Guy he could be you, traded for. Like, he makes sense, of course, with the Clippers. He makes sense, of course, with Philadelphia. But how do you get there? Like, how do you get to the money that John Wall is owed without completely gutting your roster? The Clippers have almost no path to it. They're not going to trade Kawhi. They're not going to trade Paul George. It's just no. impossible, really, to cobble together the number of assets to get a deal done Philadelphia, sense, but not I, I dollars. Yeah, they may. Yeah, exactly. Philadelphia, I don't see them. I, I look. John Wall would be interesting opposite uh, Joel Embiid because of his speed. Like John Wall last year was in great shape. Like he came off a serious injury and came back in phenomenal shape. But guys, he still is not a shooter. And the Sixers just went through this with a non-shooting point guard at that position. Now I just don't know why they they'd want to jump to get into bed well, with John Wall will shoot. Uh, at this point. <laughs> he will this shoot. At least he will, will shoot. shoot. 
<laughs> he will shoot, but again, his, his, his history, <laughs> his history of injuries, guys, it just makes him, yeah. it makes him really tough to deal. He came back healthy last year. Again, he did some good things, but this is going to be a tough needle thread. They're going to have to wait, I think, for another distressed asset like Westbrook to become available mm. to make a trade like this. And for John Wall's sake, I hope he doesn't sit out regular season games. He's missed too many years in his prime for him to take mm-hmm. any kind of hiatus while he waits for a deal. Thanks for unpacking all, right, all that. Uh, Chris, Chris, uh, Michael Smith is convinced that I'm going to troll him on this. Uh, I'm not. I'm not trolling. I'm just going to ask you a question. Uh, you are very plugged in, NBA insider. So I'm going beyond the back and forth that Kyrie Irving had with the media personality calling him a puppet. Then the guy goes back and says, blame your representation. I'm going beyond all that to ask a very simple question. And I'm serious here. Why would the Nets, if it's true, why would the Nets consider trading Kyrie Irving? Great shooter, like last year, 50% from the field, 40% from three, 92% from the line. Uh, played well with Durant, played well with Harden. Why would you consider trading that guy? Well, I think you would consider it because the Nets fully believe that they can win with James Harden and Kevin Durant as the two alphas. And if there's a deal that can bring back, you know, three or four different pieces that flesh out the bench with younger players right now, you're looking at the Blake Griffins and LaMarcus Aldridge's and all the older players that have latched on with Brooklyn. If you can get three or four pieces that complement Durant and Harding, they believe in Brooklyn that, these guys are enough for them to win a championship. I mean, look, they were probably a foot, you know, Durant's toe on the line last year against Milwaukee winning that series and maybe going on right there. I mean, Chris, don't, don't, don't say that. Don't say that to Michael. That triggers him. That triggers triggers him something serious. I'm just saying, like, Michael, the the problem is, the problem is, as far as I can tell, there isn't a team out there that wants to get in the Kyrie Irving business right now. They just don't. I mean, especially how about you know, Kyrie would have to Kyrie like would have to want to go there. Does Brooklyn like him? Do they like him? Because I'm, I'm thinking when I hear about Kyrie Irving trade, I think general manager Kevin Durant wouldn't allow that to happen. Or am I just, you know, looking past a situation that's obvious and I, and I don't see it? No, I, look, I think he'd allow, I, I don't think Durant would you know, throw a fit if Kyrie was traded for pieces that can, you know, make that team considerably better. Remember, initially it was Durant and Kyrie that came on board. Now it's Durant, Harden, and Kyrie that are on board with that group. But again, this is kind of like the John Wall conversation. Like, you know, Kyrie would have to embrace being traded to a place. And one thing I know about Kyrie Irving, and, and Mike and both you guys really know this from the Boston area, he has long wanted to choose his own fate. He, he was so upset for years about the fact that is, even though he won with LeBron, he didn't choose to play with LeBron. He was in Boston, didn't choose to play there. He chose to go to Brooklyn mm. to play with Kevin Durant. So if he gets shipped to another situation, I don't see him. I, I can see Kyrie being un, unhappy. And I know my friend Nick Wright reported it. I, I even see him saying, screw it. I'm going to retire. Hmm. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's that's fascinating. Um, hey, man, listen, you do an incredible job, not just with the NBA. We could spend the whole time on the NBA with you. But somehow, man, you have managed to be the man in both the NBA and in boxing. Uh, a legend in two games like Pee Wee Kirkland. Uh, 
Um, I got to ask you about the state of boxing in general where celebrity matches headlined by Jake Paul or in the case of last weekend, 58 year old Evander Holyfield. Let me let me make sure I get this right. And I'm sure I'm sure you know about this already. You could probably break it down better than I could, but been served with a 30 day medical suspension uh, following his defeat on Saturday. Uh, obviously, the Florida State Boxing Commission has come under fire. Um, you know, just such a an awful sight. Like, just who the hell let Evander Holyfield get in the ring? Like, not just the the, the commissions or, or or the people you know within the sport, but even his inner circle. Like, how how did we collectively come to this as a sport? And I don't mean to disrespect the the, the yeah. sport because I don't I don't follow as closely as you do. Like, why is anybody paying to see Evander Holyfield? Why is there nobody in his inner circle saying, hey, man, you're 58 years old. I don't care how good you look. You go get yourself killed. Like, it, first round TKO, surprise. Just, just an awful sight, Chris. It was awful. It was predictable. Um, Evander Holyfield needs the money, which is remarkable in and of itself, given how much he made over the course of a nearly three-decade career. Uh, the Florida Athletic Commission is a joke. They are a joke. Uh, it, it, to get licensed in Florida, you basically have to fill out a form. I mean, that's what it boils down to. And to make this fight happen, Triller, the outlet that put this fight on, effectively went doctor shopping. They went commission shopping. Ca- uh, California, hmm. where the fight was originally going to take place, said absolutely not, not even as an exhibition. Florida welcomed them with open arms, said, come on down, we'll host your fight down here nobody watched quite frankly i mean that, that's not surprising the pay-per-view tanked nobody wanted to watch evander holyfield 10 years ago when he finished his career against brian nielsen in the ring why would anybody want to watch him now against a 44 year old ex-mma fighter but they are here doing this guys because boxing continues to have all these self-inflicted wounds we could sit here for five minutes and rattle off all the incredible matchups that could be made in boxing. Demetrius Andrade against Jamal Charlo, two undefeated American middleweights. Ryan Garcia against Gervonta Davis, two high-level 135-pounders. But these fights won't happen because these guys are aligned with Network A and Network B, and they work with Promoter A and Promoter B. So it always turns into this dumb war of words on social media. It's embarrassing. It really is embarrassing. And to bring it full circle, the, that type of behavior has given these farcical matches room to grow. I'm not even talking about Jake Paul. Jake Paul's fine. He, in fact, Jake Paul's getting fighters paid on his undercard and giving them exposure on his undercard. I'm talking about the Evander Holyfield fights, the Oscar De La Hoya fights, the Roy Jones-Mike Tyson yeah. fights. These fights are happening because boxing won't give consumers good fights on a consistent basis. You don't see it happening, guys, in MMA. You never see it happening in MMA because MMA, led by the UFC, gives fans what they want to see. Boxing doesn't, which has given this crap room to grow. Love it. That's great insight. And I, look, I don't feel as bad because I'm like, I know that hardcore boxing fans know that there are, like you just said, fighters and fights that people will want to see, but they ain't giving the people, the casual people like me, they're not giving it to us. That's why. That's Nothing. why I end up seeing Evander Holyfield and Roy Jones and Mike Tyson. Like I'm 12 years old again. Hey, good stuff. Chris Man, Thank you, Chris. It's the it's it's the last thing I'm gonna say on the way out. I'm gonna give you a compliment on the way out. You know, Jackie McMullen used to say about Jack McCallum when they were going at each other on on the NBA beat. He said, "Man, McCallum, 
I always had to watch him. He'd come up with something that I didn't know. Chris Mannix, man, I covered Paul Pierce. I wrote about Paul Pierce. I know some of that stuff. Why'd you get it? Why didn't I get it? How do you know that? Hey man, Can't when you, stand you man, when you Can't are you. when you are when you're a ball boy with the guy going back to the late 1990s, your relationship it gets pretty solid at that point. I'll, I'll say that that's where it all began. Good hey, stuff. Speaking though, of really. relationship, Cheers. thank you for coming through for us. We appreciate you, man. Anytime, guys. Thanks for that insight. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon. Hey Mike, check out James Harden. And I said, I was watching him down here. I'm like, damn, you got a whole workout for how long? How long y'all done that for? Six to six o'clock. Yeah, he was sweating. Seven, seven, seven. And he was sweating. Like, y'all ain't, what y'all doing? Like, he supposed to be drenched when he walked out of this motherfucker. And this this was a light day for me. I'm, I'm trying to feel in rehab. And I'm talking about, when it's time to go, y'all should be drinking. I'm talking about, I'm sweating. You better make yourself sweat. Like, or you ain't putting in the work. You going through the drills. Yeah, sounds good. I was in the gym for an hour and a half. Nah, bro. It's solid. But you're supposed to be working your ass out. Every rep is like game breath. Not just I shot two shots, but then the motherfuckers. Nah, every, everyone is game shot. It's like that's what you prepare for. You going an hour and a half, just going through the motion, you wasting time. I thought you would want to hear that. You know, I know, I know you love you some James Harden. Telling the kids like it is. If you ain't gonna go hard, why are you going at all? That's right. One of the premier scores. Why are you doing it? One of the premier scores in, in NBA history. It might be a freak out outside of the facility. Uh, I think it's just a, you know, it's a good learning lesson for us. You know, we can't we can't play like that. We can't start a game like that. I felt like I said after the game, our energy level was a little bit low before the game. Um, you know, we got to do a better job responding to adversity. So, look, there's not much to say. We got our asses beat, you know, by 35 points. Uh, we're all frustrated about it, but we just move on. We got 16 more to go. Hey, Chris Sims, um, I've downplayed all week what happened in Jacksonville. Uh, chalking it up to they played a good team and a game got away from them. The red zone turnover where um, Rodgers took a hit in the man region, changed the game. You know, the, the punt interception, you know, put it further out of reach. The overturned interception just got away from them, right? Am I am I being a little too cavalier? Am I being too casual? Uh, should I be or should others be more alarmed that as Rodgers and I think Devontae Adams echoed that the Packers even needed a wake-up call given that this is the last dance? Are you alarmed? Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, you probably are being a little too casual. I will, you know, like I was kind of like you at first too, Michael Smith, 100%. But when I watched the film and kind of broke the game down, I mean, that was a butt whooping, like a butt whooping like the 49ers put them put on them in the NFC championship game. You know, it, the, the, again, the Packers are not a uh, an unbelievable roster. We've talked about this, but I think all in all, hey, energy level. Yeah, we've heard this, what, two, three, four times over the last few years. They don't necessarily have like some of those personalities you see on some of the other teams that, hey, you know, let's go crazy and here we go. Who, who is that guy in the offense? You know, Rodgers is not that guy. The quarterback's usually not that guy. They don't have like that linchpin guy on the defense where you're like, oh, he's a psycho. He'll bring up the energy in the locker room or on the game field on a daily basis. 
And, you know, plain and simple, up front on both sides of the ball, they got demolished, especially on offense. I mean, the Saints, for a lot of the game, even when the, the Packers put in two tight end sets or played, you know, 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end, they just kept two safeties back in a lot of series. They were like, yeah, we don't think you can run. We're not even going to give you the respect to bring another guy in the box and do something there, mm-hmm. let alone, like the interception, you know, that you saw, yeah, the double nut shot on Aaron Rodgers and all that. Hey, the, the Saints, there were so many plays like that where they were all over the play call of the Green Bay Packers. Like that play there, mm. you know, he's running a shallow cross. It's man-to-man. The safety on the top was also going there. Marcus Williams, who ended up intercepting the ball. I believe it was Marcus Williams on that one. But he, he ends up, they knew that play was coming. As soon as they lined up in the formation, they knew it was there. And, uh, yeah, again, I don't think... It's a roster that, like, scares people. I think, listen, I, I'm one that's going to tell they, you, I think their weapons are overrated. I don't think Devontae yeah. Adams is the top receiver in football. He's not Tyreek Hill. Ooh, he's good. not DK Metcalf. He's not DeAndre Ooh. Hopkins. I can keep kind of going down the list. He's Ooh. awesome in fantasy, so, but he needs some system Ooh. help. That, that's just plain and simple. That's why you don't see him when Marshawn Lattimore ca- covers him. You don't see him when Jalen Ramsey covers him in the playoff games last year. So, so much is predicated, again, on Rodgers and then LaFleur having to come up with a few wrinkles off the play-action pass game. But if they can't run the ball, that's not as effective. And that's my issues with Green Bay. So, that's what I'm saying. Hey, this is just saying. Green Bay's the same team they always are. It's just annoying. They annoy me. So, Mike, Mike, I'm giving you the ball, but that's what I'm saying. I think they're reaching for, or maybe Rodgers is even projecting, low energy, not ready. That might be a cover. It ain't per- it, from what you're saying, Chris. It ain't personality. It's personnel. So that's what I'm yeah, saying. Like I don't buy this little energy. They might have just got their ass kicked by a better team. Full stop, Michael Holly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, look at this play too, Michael Holly. Watch the safety. Look at 43. Yeah. They're doubling him. That's a fr- so they knew that play was coming. You know, they knew. Wait, wait. It's a big play. They're gonna go to Devontae Adams and let's get all over it. Now, like you said, Michael Smith, on this play here. He's just trying to take a chance and get some momentum, and that was nice. Look at the return. I'm sorry to cut you off, Michael. But Holly. look at the return. They have the 35. Yeah, look, line. guys just jogging. Like, oh yeah, we'll get him, Michael. Right. Yeah, go ahead, Michael. Sorry. No, 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 no. It's not a problem. I mean, I, I think Chris Sims was saying that they need to spend some first round picks on wide receivers, but we're not gonna have that conversation <laughs> uh, today, Mike Smith. I know you don't like that one. I do want to ask you though. Uh, I, I knew Chris, that was coming. I'm throwing it out. I'm I'm throwing it out there yesterday with no film study to Mike Smith saying that quarterbacking has changed and young guys are coming into the NFL more more advanced, more sophisticated than ever before. But I don't have film study to back that up. You do. From what you've seen, just week one, from the first and second year guys, do you think that we're turning a corner with young quarterbacks and their readiness to play in the NFL? A hundred percent. I think it's been going on for a few years, really. I mean, you know, hey, we can, I, I can, we can go back to Joe Flacco and Russell Wilson, right? I think that's where almost it started, where you just see guys that they don't blink. They're not scared. Like, oh, so what? I'm a rookie. So what's this the first game? And I think it's only increased because of, like, social media and, you know, self-branding. And these guys are on camera and I'm doing TikTok dances and I'm on Instagram Live, like, when they're like 15 years old to where they're just, they're, they're not worried about like the bright lights anymore. And to your point, Michael Holly, they're just, 
getting so many more reps than the old days. You know, high school football is throwing the football more. College, of course, is throwing the football more. And then in between, we got seven on seven and flag. My little boy's 11 years old. He's had a thousand throws already in his career because he plays flag football, you know, two seasons during the year. So I do think they are more ready than ever. I mean, hey, you look at Mac Jones. He was never blink. He played real good. He put them in a spot to win. Zach Wilson, the beating he took in the first half, I feel like 15 years ago, most quarterbacks would have folded and been like, oh man, this is too much. He fights back and brings them back into the game. Trevor Lawrence has got a lot on him. He doesn't blink. And that's why I've been saying start Justin Fields in Chicago. Uh, that's the, that's yeah. the exact reason. So I, I think you're definitely right there, Michael Holly. Hey, is uh, is Taylor Heineke ready for prime time tonight? I'm excited about the kid. I, I, I he looked good against Tampa in the playoffs last year. Looked good in relief. I, I'm looking forward to seeing that tonight. Yeah, I am too. You know, I actually I, I just got ready. off the 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 phone with my dad because I've been like, you know, last week he played solid. He really only put together one solid touchdown drive, right? Uh, and my dad was like, hey, I, I think Heineke's a little better than you gave him credit for this uh, today on PFT. And I was like, you know, dad, I think you're probably right. I did. I went back, like even looking at my notes from breaking down the Washington Chargers game uh, on Wednesday, you know, I don't maybe think I articulated it the way I quite should have. He has playmaking ability. His arm is every bit as strong as Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, and what I mean playmaking mm. ability is ability to get out of the pocket and do some of those things we saw in that playoff game against the Bucks. And, you know, if they can run the ball with Antonio Gibson, hey, his thing is you just got to play more. And he just the nuances of the game and seeing coverages and anticipation, but made a nice touchdown pass. And I'm excited to see that, too. I mean, I would think they're going to be pissed off tonight. That defense did not play their best. You know, that Washington yeah. front four, they, they didn't get close to Herbert a whole lot. That's why they were 14 for 19 on third downs. You know, now it's a different thing. The Giants, that offensive line, major question mark still. And yeah, I'm going to pick Washington to win that football game. I don't care that Daniel Jones hasn't lost a game to Washington or they're 4-0 for their last four matchups. Washington's the more talented team. They had a chance to win that game last week. And the Giants, it's just, it's, we want Daniel Jones to carry the team, but you can't run the ball and you can't protect them. You know, I don't care who you are. And this, you're not going to carry the team. And, and Daniel Jones is not Josh Allen or Mahomes or one of those guys that's just going to say, get on my back, guys. I got us today. That's not him. Right. Catch of the week there with McLaurin. All right, before we let you go, we run out of time. We only do an hour show today. So, but I, you, you got to indulge me here real, real, real quick, Chris, and Michael Holly, you too. I yeah. need you to tell me about your boy, Kyle Shanahan. Sorry, Michael. I got to ask a fantasy football question. I drafted Trey Sherman. Oh, Trey Sermon, excuse me. Um, <laughs> Do I drop Trey Sermon? Do I ride it out? What the? I didn't get Elijah Mitchell on Wednesday morning. Somebody else put up hundred dollars, but I was gonna put up hundred dollars and he had prior, waiver priority over me. Like what? Like what do I do? They pick up Trent Cannon. What the hell am I supposed to do? Is Trent? Is, is Trey Sermon in the doghouse forever, or should I ride it out? I'll cut my losses. What do I do? What is Kyle Shanahan? I, I, I would. I mean, I think now that you got the injury, he he, you should ride it out. Probably. I still think he he'd probably. Okay. I would imagine would be one of the top three running backs in the rotation now that we got no Raheem Mostert. But the one thing yeah. I know about Shanahan, you know, he wants no hesitation in his running backs. He wants you to run when there's a hole. There, you better not like make a business decision or go somewhere else. You better be ready for the car wreck, and that's what he wants. And I think that's probably where. Trey Sermon didn't like jump out in the preseason 
as you know compared to maybe Elijah Mitchell. You know, Jermichael Hasty. I think you're gonna you know gonna see him get his carries just because he runs like that. That's why they get injured a lot too at the running back position there in San Francisco because yeah. Shanahan does not take any nonsense. He's like. Hey, if you don't go in there 100 miles per hour, I'm getting you out, and that'll be the end yeah. of it. So uh, I would say ride it All out. Right. I would say that, but I don't have any inside info, so don't be thinking I talked to Kyle and he told me something like that. <laughs> All right. Good talking to you, man. We'll see you next week. We appreciate it. Thanks, bro. Great. Oh, always, guys. Chris be Sims. good. Chris Sims. Go Yankees, baby. Go Yankees. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wow, what a slide. I don't like you. I don't like you. Is this how you treat your guests? Get out of here. <laughs> hey, Mike, um, before we go, um, you got a shout out that you want to give on behalf of Brother from Miller. Take it away. You, you take it. Yeah, look, hey, look, hey, the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, they're champions in more ways than one. Champions on the court, obviously, winning four straight games in the NBA Finals against the Phoenix Suns, but the Bucks uh, became the first NBA team to name a woman a full time play by play announcer. Good job, Milwaukee Bucks. It's long overdue. I can't wait to hear. I can't About wait time. to listen. I wish yes. I could uh, get uh, Bucks games consistently. Maybe I will. I'll figure it out. Congratulations, Lisa Byington. Congratulations. All right, man. That's yeah, it for awesome us today. Job, we'll see y'all tomorrow. Yeah. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.